Frozen Charlotte by Alex Bell. Prologue. Isle of Sky, 1910. The girls were playing with the Frozen Charlotte dolls again. The schoolmistress had given them some scraps of fabric and ribbon from the sewing room to take out to the garden. They were to practice their embroidery skills by making little dresses and bonnets for the naked porcelain dolls. They'll catch their death of cold otherwise, the teacher had said. But there was one girl who wasn't playing with the others. The schoolmistress sighed when she saw her, sitting alone, fiddling with her blindfold. The girl complained it was uncomfortable, but the doctor had said it was necessary to keep her wound clean. And besides, the sight of her ruined eyes frightened the other girls. The schoolmistress got up and went over to her, just as she succeeded in untying the knot. Now, Martha, she said, deftly tying it back up again. Remember what the doctor said. The girl hung her head and said nothing. She hadn't spoken much since the accident. Not since the doctor had come and Martha had made those ridiculous accusations. Why don't you go and join the other girls in their games, the schoolmistress said. The blind girl shook her head and spoke so quietly that the teacher had to strain to hear. It's a bad game. Nonsense. Come along and play with the others. I'm sure they can help you if you ask. She took Martha's hand and tugged her, stumbling along, to where the girls were playing in the sunshine. But when she got there, she found that they weren't making dresses for the dolls after all. They were making shrouds. And they'd covered the dolls up with them as if they were corpses. Some of the girls were even making little crosses out of twigs. What are you doing? the schoolmistress asked. The girls looked up at her. We're holding a funeral for the frozen Charlottes, Miss Grayson. Well, stop it at once, the teacher said. I never heard of anything so ghoulish. But Miss, one of the girls said, they like being dead. They told us. Chapter one starts with an epigraph. An epigraph is a quote that comes before the text of a novel. So our epigraph says... Now Charlotte lived on the mountainside in a bleak and dreary spot. There was no house for miles around except her father's cot. Chapter 1. When Jay said he'd downloaded a Ouija board app to his phone, I wasn't surprised. It sounded like the crazy thing, the kind of crazy thing he'd do. It was a Thursday night and we were sitting in our favorite greasy spoon cafe eating baskets of curly fries, like always. Do we have to do this? I asked. Yes, don't be a spoil sport, Jay said. He put his phone on the table and loaded the app. A Ouija board filled the screen. The words yes and no were written in flowing script in the top two corners, and beneath them were the letters of the alphabet in that same curling text in two arches. Beneath that was a straight row of numbers from zero to nine, and underneath was printed goodbye. Isn't there some kind of law against Ouija boards or something? I thought they were supposed to be dangerous. Dangerous how? It's only a board with some letters and numbers written on it. I heard they were banned in England. Could, couldn't be, or they wouldn't have made the app. 
You're not scared, are you? It's only a bit of fun. I am definitely not scared, I said. Hold your phone. Hold your hand over the screen then. So I held out my hand and Jay did the same, our fingertips touching. The plan chat thing is supposed to spell out the answers to our questions, Jay said, indicating the little pointed disc hovering at one corner of the screen. Without us even touching it? The ghost will move it, he declared. A ghost that understands cell phones and doesn't mind crowds? I glanced around the packed cafe. I thought you were supposed to play with Ouija boards and haunted houses and abandoned train stations. That would be pretty awesome, Sophie. But since we don't have any boarded up lunatic asylums or whatever around here, we'll just have to make do with what we've got. Who shall we try to contact? Jay asked. Jack the Ripper? Mad King George? The Birdman of Alcatraz? Rebecca Craig, I said. The name came out without my really meaning it to. Never heard of her. Who did she kill? No one. She's my dead cousin. Jay raised an eyebrow. You're what? My my uncle who lives in Scotland. He used to have another daughter, but she died when she was seven. How? I shrugged. I don't know. No one really talks about it. It was some kind of accident. Well, how did you know her? How well did you know her? Not that well. I only met her once. It must have been right before she died. But I always wondered how it happened. And I guess I've just been thinking about them again now that I'm going to stay there over vacation. Okay, let's ask her how she died. Rebecca Craig, Jay said. We invite you to speak with us. Nothing happened. Rebecca Craig, Jay said again. Are you there? It's not going to work, I said. I told you we should have just gone to a haunted house. Why don't you try calling her, Jay said. Perhaps she'll respond to you better. Your family, after all. I looked down at the Ouija board and the motionless planchette. Rebecca Craig, I didn't even finish the sentence before the disc started to move. It glided smoothly once around the board before coming back to hover where it had been before. Is that how spirits say hello or just the app glitching out? I asked. Shh, you're going to upset the board with your negative energy. Rebecca Craig, Jay said again, is that you? Your cousin would like to speak with you. We're not technically, I began, but the planchette was already moving. Slowly it slid over to yes, then quickly returned to the corner of the board. It's obviously got voice activation software, I said. With my free hand, I reached across the table to steal one of Jay's fries. He tisked tisked at me and then said, Spirit, how did you die? The planchette hovered a little longer this time before sliding over the board towards the letters and spelling out B-L-A-C-K. What's that supposed to mean? I asked. It's not finished, Jay replied. The planchette went on to spell S-A-N-D. Black sand? I said, that's a new one. Maybe she meant to say quicksand? Do they have quicksand in Scotland? Spirit... Jay began, but the planchette was already moving. One by one, it spelled out seven words. Daddy says, never, ever open the gate. It's like a magic eight ball, I said. It just comes out with something random each time. Shh, it's not random. We're speaking with the dead, Jay said, somehow managing to keep a straight face, even when I stuck my tongue out at him. 
Is that why you died, spirit? Because you opened the gate? The planchette started to move again, gliding smoothly around the lighted screen. Charlotte is cold. Charlotte, I said. I thought we were speaking to Rebecca. Is your name Charlotte? Jay asked. The planchette moved straight to no. Are you Rebecca Craig? I asked. The planchette did a little jump before whizzing over to yes. And then, Charlotte is cold. Cold. Charlotte is cold. Charlotte is cold. This ghost has a pretty one-track mind, I said with a yawn. I hope you didn't pay a lot of money for this rubbish. Aren't you supposed to be saving up for a new bike? Yes, but I hate saving money. It's so boring. Maybe I'll just get a unicycle instead. Do you think that would make me more popular at school? I laughed. Only if you went to a clown school, you'd probably fit right in there. Probably make head boy. Head boy, wouldn't that be something? My mom would die of pride. Jay looked down at the board and said, You know, some people think the spirits can see into the future. Let's give it a little test. Rebecca, am I ever going to grow another couple of inches taller? I giggled as the planchette whizzed around, apparently at random. Never, ever open the gate. Daddy says, Daddy says, the gate, never, ever. Do you think I should take that as a no? Jay asked me. Absolutely, short for life. Jay pretended to recoil. Geez, you don't have to be so vicious about it. He looked down at the board. Spirit, am I going to pass that math quiz tomorrow? Black, sand, frozen, Charlotte, frozen, sand, black, Charlotte, cold. Here, Daddy. Jay and I were both giggling now like little kids, but his next and final question made the laugh stick in my throat. When will I die? This time the planchette gave a different answer. It whizzed around the board aimlessly once again before clearly spelling out seven letters. T-O-N-I-G-H-T. Tonight. I don't think this ghost likes me very much, Jay said, lifting his eyes to mine. What do you think? Before I could respond, we both jumped as a tinkly music box style tune started to play from Jay's phone. Is that your new ringtone? I asked. I've never heard it before, Jay replied. Now you're just messing with me. He shook his head and gave me his best innocent look. It must be part of the app to make it more spooky. A girl's voice started to sing. Plaintive and childish, high pitched and wobbly. It was a simple, lilting melody, full of melancholy, a sound made for quiet campfires, lonely hills, and cold nights. Now Charlotte lived on a mountainside in a bleak and dreary spot. There was no house for miles around except her father's cot. You are such a wind-up, I said, smiling and giving Jay's arm a shove. The sing-song voice was starting to get us dirty looks from the other customers in the cafe. You must... You put that on there yourself. I swear I didn't, Jay replied. It's just a really cool app. Such dreadful night I never saw. The rains I scarce can hold. Fair Charlotte shivering faintly said, I am exceedingly cold. Jay tapped the screen to turn it off. Though the voice stopped sing- But though the, ver- the voice stopped singing, the Ouija board app wouldn't close. The planchette started spinning around the board maniacally. Dude, I think that app is broken your phone. It was only a joke. I didn't really think there was anything wrong with the phone that turning it off and on again wouldn't fix. 
but the screen lit light started to flicker and all the lights in the cafe flickered with it. Jay and I looked at each other and I saw the first glimmer of uncertainty pass over his face. And then every light in the cafe went out, leaving us in total darkness. There were grumblings and mutterings from the other customers around us, and somewhere in the room, a small child started to cry. We heard a loud crash of something being dropped in the kitchen. The only light in the room came from the glow of Jay's phone, still on the table between us. I looked at it and saw the planchette flying over the num- over to the number nine, and then starting to count down through the numbers. When it got to zero, someone in the cafe screamed, a high, piercing screech that went on and on. Cold, clammy fingers curled around mine as Jay took my hand in the darkness and squeezed it tight. I could hear chairs scraping on the floor as people stood up, demanding to know what was happening. More children started to cry, and I could hear glasses and things breaking as people tried to move around in the dark and ended up bumping into tables. And above it all was the piercing sound of a woman crying hysterically as if something really awful was happening to her. I let go of Jay's hand and twisted around in my seat, straining my eyes, peering into the darkness, desperately trying to make sense of what was happening. Now that my eyes had adjusted, I could make out the silhouettes of some other people in the cafe with us, plain black shapes like shadow puppets dancing on a wall. But one of them was taller than all the others, and possibly tall, and I realized that whoever it was must be standing on one of the tables. They weren't moving, not at all. Everyone else in the cafe was moving, even if only turning their heads this way and that, but this person stood stock still. I couldn't even tell if I was looking at their backs or their fronts. They were just staring straight ahead, arms by their side. Do you see that? I asked, but my voice got lost amongst all the others. I stood up and took half a step forward, staring through the shadows. I could just make out the outline of long hair and a skirt. It was a girl standing on the table in the middle of all this chaos. No one else seemed to notice her. Jay, I began, turning back towards him at the exact moment his phone died. The screen light flickered off. The screen light flickered and then went off. At the same time, the cafe lights came back on. I spun around to look at the table where the girl had been standing, but there was no one there. The table was empty. Did you see her? I asked Jay. See who? I stared around for the girl in a skirt, but there was no sign of her. Anyone would think there had been an earthquake or something. There was broken china and glass all over the floor of the cafe. Many of the chairs had fallen over, and a couple of tables had overturned. Who was that screaming, people were saying. What's happened? Is someone hurt? What's going on? Oh my gosh, someone's been burnt. Bill, the owner of the cafe, led one of the waitresses out from the kitchen. She must have been the one who screamed in the dark. She was still sobbing, and it was obviously it was obvious why. All the way up her right side, she was covered in burns. Her hand, her arm, her shoulder, and the right side of her face were completely covered in a mess of burns so bad it was hard to believe that it had once been normal skin. Her hair was still smoking, and the smell made me want to gag. I heard someone on their phone calling an ambulance as other people moved forward asking what had happened. I don't know, Bill said. He had gone completely white. I don't know how it happened. When the lights went out, she must have tripped or something. I think, I think she missed, must have fallen against the deep fat fryer. I could feel the blood pounding in my ears and turned around to Jay. Wordlessly, he held up his phone for me to see. 
From the top of the screen to the bottom, there was a huge crack running all the way down the glass. Did you, did you drop it? I asked, but Jay just shook his head. The ambulance arrived soon after that and took the weeping girl away. In all the years this place has been open, we've never had an accident like this, I heard Bill say. Never. Bill went to the hospital with the girl, and the cafe closed early. Everyone filed away, going to their cars and driving off. Soon, Jay and I were the only ones left. Normally, he would have biked home, and I would have waited by myself for my mom to pick me up. But today, Jay said he would wait with me, and I was grateful to him for that. Thanks, I said, and thanks for holding my hand when the lights went out. He gave me a sharp look. I didn't hold your hand. A prickling feeling started to creep over my skin. Yes, you did. Sophie, I didn't. You must have You must have imagined it. It was pretty crazy in there. I thought of those cold fingers curling around mine and shook my head. Someone was definitely holding my hand when it was dark, I said. And if it wasn't you, then who was it? Well, it wasn't me. Maybe you've got a secret admirer. Did you see the girl standing on the table? I thought I saw her outline there in the dark. Jay stared at me. Are you actually trying to scare me now? Because it's not going to work, you know. I'm not that gullible. I glanced back at him. I glanced back through the windows of the cafe. There had been no time to tidy up before the ambulance arrived, and the place had been shut up as it was, with tables and chairs and broken china everywhere. A couple of tables looked fairly normal, with plates of untouched food still on them, which was almost weirder. I shivered and turned away, not wanting to look too closely in case I saw the girl among the empty tables. Look, Jay said. It all got a bit crazy when the lights went out because of the waitress who hurt herself and started screaming. If it hadn't been for that, none of this would be any big deal. It was just a freak accident, that's all. My mom pulled into the parking lot then, waving at me through the window. We could give you a lift, I said. Jay's house wasn't very far away, and he always biked home, but I couldn't think I couldn't stop thinking of that final question he had asked the Ouija board. When will I die? No thanks, Jay said. I'll bike back. I hesitated. Jay, you're not so worried about that app, are you? Nothing's going to happen to me, he said. Then he grinned. But just promise me one thing. If I do come to some appalling grizzly end tonight, I hope I can rely on you to tell the world it was a ghost that didn't end. For once, I didn't smile. Don't, I said. Don't joke about it. Jay laughed and put his arms around my shoulder in a friendly squeeze. I think you really would miss me, he said. Behind us, Mom honked her car horn to tell me to hurry up. Jay gave her a wave and said, I'll see you tomorrow at school. All right, see you tomorrow. I turned and started to walk across the parking lot, but had only gone a few steps when I turned back. Hey, Jay. Yeah? Will you do me a favor? What is it? Would you take the towpath tonight, please? Jay usually back... Jay usually biked home using the shortest route, which meant several busy roads. He did it all the time, and nothing had ever happened to him. I knew I was being silly. But if he went the other way, he'd miss all the major traffic and only add five minutes to his journey. I was afraid that he would refuse or make a joke of it or tease me again. But instead, he just nodded. All right, Sophie, I'll take the towpath. Then he grinned, blew me a mock kiss, and said, anything for you. I got into the front seat of Mom's car and waved at Jay as we drove past, keeping my eyes on him until the car turned the corner and I lost him from sight. I didn't really want to talk to Mom about what had happened at the cafe, so when we got home, I went straight upstairs and had a bath. Before going to bed, I sent Jay a text to say goodnight. It wasn't something I normally do, but I just wanted to reassure myself that he'd gotten home okay. He sent me a one-word answer, goodbye. 
I guess he'd meant to say goodnight, but his autocorrect had changed it and he hadn't noticed. He'd replied, though, so at least I knew he was home. I got into bed and went to sleep. I didn't remember until the next day when that when Jay had showed me his phone at the cafe, it had been broken. My dreams were filled with Ouija boards and burning hair and little girls holding my hand in the dark. I tossed and turned all night. It was so bad that it was a relief to wake up. I got out of bed in the morning without mom having to drag me out for a change. With the sun shining in through the windows, the events of the night before started to seem less terrible. So the lights had gone out and someone had hurt themselves. It was horrible for that poor waitress, but it had just been an accident, plain and simple. In the light of day, there didn't seem to be anything that strange about it. I dressed quickly for once, actually looking forward to school. Jay would soon be outside and we'd walk there together like we always did. As I got ready, I was vaguely aware of the phone ringing downstairs and the sound of mom's voice that answered it, but I didn't really pay too much attention. By the time I went downstairs for breakfast, mom was just hanging up. Who was that? I asked. She didn't answer straight away, and when I looked at her and saw her face, I knew instantly that something was wrong. What is it? I said. Who was that on the phone? Sophie, mom said, her voice all strained and weird sounding. I don't... I don't know how to tell you this. Sweetheart, sweetheart, you need to brace yourself. Mom, what? What's wrong? It's Jay. That was his dad on the phone. Something's happened. He he never made it home last night. Yes, he did. I said it once. He texted me. But at that very second, I remembered Jay that Jay's phone was broken. I pulled out my cell phone. I pulled my cell phone out of my pocket and started scrolling through, looking for his text, but it wasn't there. I don't understand. He sent me a text last night. I saw it. Sophie, he didn't send you a text. Oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. But on the way home, he had an accident. They think they think that perhaps the brakes failed on his bike. He went into the canal. By the time they pulled him out, it was too late. What do you mean too late, I said, clenching my hands so tight that I felt my nails tear the skin of my palms. Jay's a strong swimmer. He won almost all the swim meets at school last year. If he'd fallen into the canal, he would have just swum up to the side and climbed out. But Mom was shaking her head. They think he must have hit his head when he fell in, Sophie. He drowned. It could not possibly be true. And yet it was. Jay was gone. If you enjoyed the prologue in Chapter 1, you can join us tomorrow for Chapter 2 to find out what will happen next.